Shut up and sit down. And here we go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Uh, this is episode 34 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, as always, and my name's Daryl, like you didn't know. Um, good to be back. Start of the new week. We're on Monday. So let's hit it right. Let's get this week started with a bang, and let's get going like we intend to finish. Like a bunch of motherfucking savages ready to take over the world. Right? What the fuck did you wake up for otherwise? Did you wake up to be as boring as and complacent as you were last week? Or to do the same old shit? How about today's the day? How about in a year from today, you'd wish you'd started whatever that change was going to be right now? Because that's about, that's everything. That's everything. It's about action. It's about action and accountability. And you know I'm serious because I just took my motherfucking hoodie off and we're about to go into it. What is the point of being the same every day? Why are we, why are we so happy to fall into complacency and stagnation? Why are we happy with the status quo? Why are we happy to settle when we should be striving for the best of the best of the best every single time out. It's about motivation. What is your motivation? Do you have any? What did you wake up for today? To slog into work like you do every other fucking day of your life? Or was today the day you woke up with a big dick and an attitude problem? Saying, today's going to be different. Because I'm going to make it different. Be accountable to yourself, guys. And do the best you can. Because you deserve it. And you're worth it. And that sounded like a motherfucking Maybelline commercial. But I'm serious. There's too much... Nah, I don't bother. Or, eh, I can't be bothered. Or, meh, you know, I don't feel like it. Or I'll do it tomorrow. Or... Yeah, I'll get around to it. It's such a shit way to live. And I used to live by it as a religion before the penny dropped for me. And the penny dropped for me about four years ago, five years ago, when I was fat, lazy, felt like shit, looked like shit. And the penny dropped when I looked in the mirror and realized that I was just basically throwing away every attribute that I had for the sake of boredom, complacency, and just a real lack of motivation. And it wasn't a stimulus within my life necessarily. I mean, you know, my family, my wife specifically had, you know, a lot to do with it when she was my fiance, but... Ultimately, people can tell you to do something, ask you to make a change, become an improved version of yourself, but experience would show that most times that just falls on deaf ears. And ultimately, 
a person is not going to make a significant change in their life until they want to make a significant change in their life. And if they don't, there's very little you can do about it. So the best thing to do is just be a shining beacon and example of positivity, accountability, and motivation to get things done, right? Like for instance, it's not for anybody else that I wake up at 4.45 in the morning, five days a week and go to the gym. That's for me. As a matter of consequence, if somebody asks me about what my routine is and I tell them and it helps motivate them to make a change in their own self and in their own behavior, fantastic. I'm not a motivational speaker. I hate motivational speakers. I would never want to become a motivational speaker because I think motivational speakers are effectively telling you shit you already know and stuff that they've stolen from somebody else who stole it from somebody else who stole it from somebody else who stole it from the person that made it up. You know what I'm saying? All these motherfucking motivational speakers out there telling you to change your life and seize the moment and grasp the day and all that shit. This has all been said before. They're not telling you anything new. They might put a different soundtrack behind it. But ultimately, there's one there's one conduit to change, in my opinion. And that's looking in the fucking mirror and understanding that the thing looking back at you and the person looking back at you could be better than what it is right now. And if you don't see that, then you're either at the pinnacle of life in all categories, which... I would say almost nobody is, or you're just, you know, which would lead me to think that you are a very delusional person. Because if we aren't improving every single day, what are we doing? If we are not better today than we were yesterday, what is the fucking point? You might as well stay home, stay in bed, go to sleep and wait for death because that's all you're doing. And every day that goes by, I reinforce the fact that the only thing that's going to keep me on this path is discipline and accountability to myself, not to anybody else, not for any other reason than I want to be the best version of myself because I spent too many years being the worst version of myself. And you are only a degree of the worst version of yourself until you make the change to be accountable in all areas of your life. And am I standing up here saying this as a beacon of perfection? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the comparative change I've made over the last, say, three to four years makes me, makes me thankful that I did it but makes me regret that I didn't do it 10 years ago because I effectively wasted my 20s. Through fault of my own, through also some collateral consequences that really didn't have anything to do with me, but I got sucked up in the gravity of the situation. But those times are gone. And as each day goes by, the amount that I am influenced or persuaded or guided by other people's visions of what I should be doing, where I should be going, how I should be carrying myself are less and less important. 
Because if you truly focus on the fundamentals of being a good person, being healthy, eating well, resting, you know, having a good headspace, a good space um, in which to shape and define your physical self as well as your mental self. If you just put these kind of check marks in place that you hold yourself accountable to, all of the other things fall into place. Your confidence improves, your mood improves, your relationships with others improves, your patience, your ability to listen and to understand and be empathetic, all improves, all improves. But you got to get up and fucking do something. It's about you. Nobody else is gonna bring you to this party, nobody. You know why? Because nobody gives a fuck about you like you give a fuck about you. And that's kind of a harsh thing to say, right? But I don't care if it's your mom, your wife, your sister, your colleagues, your friends, your teammates, whoever. Nobody gives a fuck about you as much as you give a fuck about you. So don't rely on other people to bring you up to a level. You do that. You do that, make the change in your life, let the garbage and the fat fall away and the people that you're supposed to surround yourself with and the environment that you're supposed to find yourself existing in will occur naturally as a consequence of that. I promise. I promise. It sounds real like, you know, hokey, the secret type of bullshit, right? With positive visualization. And I don't really practice that too much, but I do practice mindfulness in terms of, you know, sort of self-reflection, being aware you know, as acutely aware of things and a nuance of situations as I possibly can be. Self-awareness, accountability, you know, I say these things repeatedly because they're important. And discipline. The discipline to get up and maintain that mood, maintain that behavior, maintain that schedule, maintain that routine of mental and physical exercise of mental and physical optimization. You're the only person that can do anything to make a positive change in your life because if you're not willing to do it, it doesn't matter how much help you're given or how much support is around you, you'll fail. Ask somebody that doesn't really want to quit cigarettes but tries to anyways. They always go back. Same with booze and I've been there on both accounts. You can be threatened with all the consequences in the world. You can see the, you know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel closing down and getting dimmer. It does not matter. It does not matter. Until you're ready to make the change, it doesn't matter who's telling you you need to do it. And it shouldn't matter because you should be accountable to yourself. And if you're not, then you should suffer the consequences of not being accountable to yourself. Because at the end of the day, we have one go at this. And if you make it less than what it can be, that is on you. And I know there's a whole bunch of circumstances and a whole bunch of scenarios that people could throw my way to say, well, this didn't have anything to do with it, with me. And I wasn't the reason that this happened to me. And I, I shouldn't have had to have gone through this because I didn't, I didn't bring this upon myself. I understand it. And I know those reasons because I've been through those too. And I can feel myself coming closer and closer to an episode where I, I basically outline how I grew up. 
and what my life was like and give you a bit of an autobiographical episode. I can feel myself coming to it because I think until you truly understand where a person's coming from and the things that that person has actually gone through, it's a little hard to take them all the way seriously when they're saying things like I'm saying now, like pick yourself up and, 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 and pull your fucking head out of your ass and make it worthwhile because you deserve to make it worthwhile for no other reason than it's your life and you should make it the best thing it can be. It sucks to hear that stuff from people. It sucks even more to hear that stuff from people when you really don't have any context behind where they're coming from. Like, you know, I'm sure there's people listening out there right now that are like, the fuck do you know, Daryl? Like, who the fuck are you to make any comments about me or what I should be doing to improve my life? Well, this is why I feel like I'm coming closer and closer to doing one of these kind of autobiographical uh, episodes where I just let you know who I am and where I've come from. Um, you know, it, it, the road has not been paved smooth. Let's, let's just put it that way. And, uh, and I'll come back to it and I'll break it down for you guys. But I'm speaking from experience here, guys. And, and the only reason I'm speaking to you on this now is because, well, one, you know, I can put a hashtag Motivation Monday on this motherfucking podcast. So, hey, let's see if that helps reach. Um, but more so than anything, I just see people complacent all the time. I just see people doing, you know, basically living the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. When the actual answer and the actual change is so blatantly obvious, but they won't look at it because it's a tough thing to look at because people would rather be stuck in their own routine of shit, junk, complacency, you know, just sedentary behavior, then go down the other route where they know self-improvement resides, but it's a tough road, right? It's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a hard road to understand. It's a difficult road to travel, right? Because it's easier to sit on the couch doing nothing, staring into the TV like a mindless zombie than it is to get yourself up when you're tired or sore and go and bust your ass Make yourself sweat, make yourself, you know, have some perspective on what difficult is. And to put that effort in and to see the results, but not after the first time and not after the second time and not after the 20th time for that matter. But after you've gone 200 times and then you look back on that first photo you took of yourself and I'm speaking about physical activity here. And then you look at that photo that you take after your 200th session and you say, wow, that's why I've done this. Look at how I look. Look at how I feel. Look at how I'm thinking. Look at the change that I've made. It's not for anybody else. Fuck who looks at you, who stares at you. I mean, those are, you know, those are, those are nice to haves, but they're not the reason for the reason for me was so I didn't die at 40. That was what was scaring me. That's why I made a change. Because my body was starting to reject 
me. It was saying, whatever you're doing is wrong and we're not fucking having it anymore. And we're going to let you know that we feel like we're under attack and you need to change it. And then I went and sought help and nobody would give me the help that I needed. So I had to do it myself. And I did. And when you do that and when you're self-reliant, what a joy of accomplishment it feels. Nobody can ever take that away from you. That is a concrete example of something that you've achieved that nobody can nobody can diminish those efforts, right? People can make fun of me all they want, you know, which happens on occasion to say, you're fucking crazy for getting up at 4.45. I could never do that. You're right. Because you think you can't do it. But if you did it five times, then you can't say that anymore. If you did it for a week, you can do it for two. And if you can do it for two, you can do it for a month. And if you can do it for a month, you can do it for a year. And then you're well on your way to a whole new lifestyle. Because this is not about dieting. This is not about crash course, fitness courses, training, bullshit. You know, these, um, these claims of magic. It's not about that. This shit takes a long time. It takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of discipline. And it takes consistency and persistence, man. What did Gandhi say? We must be the change we wish to see in the world. That's exactly what I did. I wanted to see a different world. I wanted to see the world through different lenses. Um, I wanted to see the world through through a body that wasn't broken, that was that was healthy, that was vibrant. I'm more healthy now and in better shape now than I was when I was 22 years old. And I just think, what could you have done if you would have gotten your shit together 10 years ago? But we don't look back, we look forward. So if you are listening to this, and if you are one of these people that's looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I should do this or I should do that, stop doing that and just fucking do something. Go work out. Go and eat healthy. Go and buy something that was grown in the ground. Grow your own plant. Try to do that. Be nice to somebody. Help somebody out. Take some time to just think. One thing that could change me for the positive today is fill in the blank. And then go and do that. I, st I started this thing by stopping um, any consumption of soda or fast food. So for instance, I haven't eaten McDonald's in four years and I haven't had a can of Coca-Cola in the same amount of time. Those are just markers that I put in place for myself to say, if I fell back on this, that would be an equation that was failing. It didn't equal, right? It, that, that was a, that was a, you know, that, that was a, that was a negative step. That was a step backwards if I did that. And I'm not saying you should boycott these companies at all, but 
too often not too often than not when people embark on these types of like journeys of change you start to hear things like reward meal and cheat meal and cheat day and you know a treat and uh you know i deserve it and things like that let me tell you something right now if you have not accomplished the change that you set out to achieve you do not deserve it and that may seem harsh as well but what the fuck are we talking about if you're if you've gotten up and you've said right i'm going to start exercising i want to lose 40 pounds or whatever and you go to the gym for a week and on that friday you buy yourself a fucking pizza you've got the whole equation wrong that is not discipline and you do not deserve that pizza simple as that what the fuck have you done you've combated how many years of bad behavior by one week of positive behavior and you think that equals a deserved cheat meal let me off let me let my hair down no that's not discipline discipline is having the fortitude to stay the path stay the course and continue striving and working hard until you actually see change and then me personally i live by an 80 20 rule 80 percent of the time it is non-negotiable i'm not militant but i'm disciplined and i'm strict 20 percent of the time I might eat two fucking pizzas and a cookie, you know, or a bag of cookies and a burrito, whatever, whatever the fuck I want, six, seven pints. I don't, I don't care, but I wouldn't have done that in the first three years of me working out or me trying to get in shape, have some discipline, have some accountability and be honest with yourself at every single junction. Because you'll benefit off the back of this. It'll be you that reaps the rewards for this discipline. This is not for anybody else. I'm speaking to the individual now. This is about you. This is about making you the best version of yourself. It's about you developing a superhero movie in which you are the main character. Think about one improvement point. Go out and do that. And then use that as your first block of momentum building. And then the next day, add another block to it by doing the same thing you did the day before and then adding something else to it. And that could be as simple as I'm going to eat a salad once a day. We haven't even talked about removing cake and bread and all this other bullshit right? And actually tightening up a diet. All I'm saying is instead of eating all the shit food all day, take a break and put a salad in there. Just put a salad in there. It's a small but achievable step that you can look at as an accomplishment because it's not the whole way. It's not just the start line and the finish line that matter. It's the incremental wins that you get along the way that keep the momentum up and you're focused strong on what the finish line is. And the finish line is, in my opinion, a lifestyle change, not a goal weight, not a diet for X amount of weeks or months or whatever. It's 
a lifestyle change to the point where you can get into a position where you are living an effective 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of the time what I do is all the right things and then 20% of the time let my hair down, have a bit of fun, go a little loose, you know, do the things that I can't do or I shouldn't be doing in those 80% times. And that's it, man. It's about small wins. It's about small wins, but the only way to get small wins is to stay focused, have discipline, and make yourself accountable. We've done 33 of these episodes, guys, and in almost every single episode, I talk about some form of accountability. Accountability to ourselves, accountability to each other, corporations' accountability to us, our, our, our companies that we work for, their accountability to us, our spouse's accountability to themselves, you know, to others, our neighbors, you know, everybody that we exist in this community with has to have a sense of accountability. And if everybody had that discipline and accountability to themselves, we would have a lot less stress and a lot less problems in the world. I'm telling you that right now. So it's Monday start the week as you mean to go forward. And I hope that is with all of the, the momentum and all of the gusto behind you that you can fathom up to take this week by the balls and say, I'm not going to be fucked with anymore. I'm not going to fuck with myself anymore. I'm not going to let anybody else fuck with me anymore. And I'm going to show you and everybody else, including myself, what the best version of me is. And I'm going to start by doing that right now. And that's all I can say, guys. Because ultimately, as I said, if you don't want to do this, you're not going to do this. But if anything I've said has resonated, then happy fucking days. I had a gentleman come up to me off of a comment I made at a work due um, training thing that we had. And he came up to me a week later and said, I've actually heeded some of the things that you said when you stood up and gave your feedback about this course. And since then, I've been getting up at 5 a.m. I feel better than I have in months and, and months. And, um, and I've actually, uh, he said, started to add uh, time to my plank. So plank is an exercise move that's core development um, and stabilization. And apparently he's been working on this, but hit a plateau. And he said that the momentum that getting up so early and having those extra time, um, those times to himself and that extra um, that extra freedom just to not rush things. He's, um, he's now feeling better. He's now eating better. He's now sleeping better. And he's put two minutes on his plank time in a month. He just came up and tapped me on the shoulder. I didn't even know this guy was in the room. It's little things, man. It's little things. But when the fucking penny drops, guys, it's a game changer. So maybe something in this 27-minute rant has resonated. Maybe not. If it hasn't, I'm sorry you had to sit through it. But if it has, welcome to the party, guys. That's step one. Keep it going. And I swear to God, in a year from now, you will be so glad that you started doing whatever it is that you started doing positively today. I promise you. It will never come back on you in a negative way if you start to make a positive change for your life right now. So, attack the week, motherfuckers. Let's go. Right? And we're in it. We're half an hour in it. I didn't even know if I was going to get to do a show today, but... Uh, 
you know, whenever I got a bit of free time, I can't resist the urge to uh, to press record. So, um, you know, we had the royal wedding this weekend, and I gave some of my thoughts on the royal wedding uh, on the previous show. You know, I think it's a bit uh, ignorant to people where they when when the press doesn't report, you know, all the circumstances around the royal wedding, but. My wife is quite into the pomp and ceremony of it, and she likes the tradition of it, and uh, so we watched it, and and I sat through it, and I was pleasantly surprised uh, at the whole entire event. The I've had some conversations online with people who have been giving their giving their thoughts on this Megan's dad who couldn't attend the wedding he's the white side of her family and the commentary that i've seen has come from uh from the black community and there there's very 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 ignorant comments like man white people doing white people shit or white peopling is is what is what it was referred to when when i was reading it and you know this is so good to see these guys having to kind of taste their own medicine and you know oh what if a black person what if it was the what if it was her mom who was black you know and all the systemic racism that's come because the daily mail reported that her mom lived in compton or you know somewhere in Southside la um this is the fucking problem with divisiveness and how we're never going to be able to get anything together and, and, and not going to have any true unity because we can't pass up for a moment the opportunity to shit on somebody else at a moment's notice. And they were saying, oh, they're, you know, they're trying to whitewash this, uh, the wedding. And if this was a black, if this had anything to do with the black community, it would be washed over. Do you think that they would, you know, let her get away with this? Um, would you, would they let her father get away with it and still attend the wedding if he was selling himself to the papers for a hundred K here and there? And, you know, just saying ridiculous shit. And, uh, you know, so of course I had to jump into that conversation and give my two cents on that. And that started a kind of an outlash of, you know, you don't understand because you've never had the perspective of being black and you've never gone through our struggle and all of this stuff. And it's just like, guys, I never said I did. You know, I would never pretend to know the plight of um, of of the black community and the racism and the and the um, and the, just the ignorance that they face probably on a daily basis. Right. But I also want to I also want to kind of temper that sentiment with what I feel is actually the reality of our society. Because the actual reality, I think, of our society is not one where the majority of people are racist bigots and um, and offended by the interaction of, like, you know, different races. I think we are much more tolerant as a society than that. I think for the vast majority of us, we interact seamlessly no matter race, religion, creed, you know, origin, whatever it may be, very, very few. I mean, maybe it's the circles I, 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 I seem to be a part of, or maybe it's because I'm in a city like London or whatever, and maybe not rural backwoods fucking hillbilly central or central. Um, but I just. I don't know, man. I just, I don't think it's as malign as, 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 as sometimes it's made out to be. Now, are there ignorant fucking racist assholes in London, in my village, 
in my company? Of course. Of course, 100%. 100%. But that's not the majority of people. And when we start lumping people in to big, massive tribal groups, we miss the nuance and the beauty of what individuals bring to the table. Right? We say, oh, you know, crime, predominant, you know, knife crime, predominantly done by black teenagers. Well, you know, they're all, you know, you lump them in together, right? Ah, well, of course it's them. No, 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 no. Because if I'm not mistaken, there was a very, very talented bunch of African-Americans and um, black British uh, musicians that performed at the royal wedding and they were stunning. Absolutely stunning. I have friends younger than me that are close, a lot more closely aligned to the black community than I am. And they're fantastic kids, man. You can't lump everybody in and paint everybody with the same brush because of the color of their skin. It's fucking retarded. And that goes for blacks, that goes for whites, that goes for anybody. Because there are good people, there are bad people, there are ignorant people, there are kind people, there are racist people, and there are compassionate people in every single race and every single walk of life across the globe. That is the beauty and the nuance of what we are as a species. We are varied, we are flawed, and we are individuals. And that's why taking somebody by the content of their character and as a meritocracy of what they bring to the table each and every time is how we should judge people. And that is the only way we should judge people. So I was a little bit offended to find that I was being lumped in to the same group of, of white folks that are racist and ignorant and, you know, completely misguided on, you know, the struggle of blacks and what they've had to go through and, you know, all of this stuff. And it's just, and I just had to say, man, like ease the fuck back. Because if I was having this conversation on a thread on my wall, for instance, like say on uh, like Facebook or something like that, and I was like, man, this fucking just black people being black people, man, complaining about the white fucking man, like can't can't pick yourself up, can't get your own thing, like you know, like they were saying about white people. If I would have just flipped white for black, I would have been the biggest fucking racist on the internet. I'm telling you, the context of this thread was disgusting. And what I got back when I started to hit them, verbally hit them with how ignorant they were being was, you don't understand because you've never experienced it from our perspective. And this is just light banter. So calm down. And you've got too much time on your hands to be writing this kind of a response. And I'm just like, you just dismissive. You don't want to hear it. You're not interested in bringing anything together, communities together, peoples together. You're not interested in that. You're interested in residing in an echo chamber of like-minded individuals that reinforce your confirmation bias about a certain group of people. And the only thing that will do is keep us apart. We have to have the discipline and the foresight to move the weeds away and wipe the smoke and the clouds out of our eyes to see things clearly, to see that 
Like when you see a headline on the Daily Mail that says Meghan Markle's mom is from uh, the ghetto. And it's amazing that she's raised a daughter or, you know, or whatever the fucking salacious headline that the Daily Mail wrote about this way back in the day was. You have to understand why they're doing it, right? They're doing it just so you will click on it. So they can make money. That's it. They are a shit rag paper who make up facts and stories, report garbage, conflate headlines just to get you to click on them. Because with all due respect to the Daily Mail's audience, most of you guys out there are assholes. And by assholes, I mean retards. Because if you can't disseminate fact from fiction as blatantly as it's posted on websites like that, then you deserve to be fooled, in my opinion, and good riddance to you because you're bringing the rest of us down with you. We need to be elevated. We need to elevate our position. We need to elevate our thought process. Be critical thinkers. Question the things that you're reading. Right? Does everybody out there think that Meghan Markle's mom was a fucking slave or a gangbanger just because the Daily Mail cites the levels of violence in a poor and lower socioeconomic community that's been downtrodden and stepped on by the authorities, gone through riots, fucking are the complete picture of forgotten. That doesn't make her like a criminal or lower than or less than or any of that. It just makes her a mum that was born on a different patch of land than the Queen of England was. That's it. Someone's mom shat you out of their pussy on a different part of land and now you get to say, I'm privileged, while the person over there gets to say, I'm starving. That is it. You owe nothing to yourself about your current position. You owe it all to the person that gave birth to you. And they owe nothing to their position. They owe, owe everything to their parents. Right? If you get shat out, look up, and your mom's Victoria Beckham, guess what? You made it. You don't have to worry about it, right? If you, if you start crying and blink your eyes, and the first man you see is Dwayne Johnson, guess what? You made it. But if you look up and your pops is a mullet wearing fucking Cletus from, you know, backwoods Alabama, guess what? Shit's going to be a struggle. Neither one of those kids has anything to be grateful or sad about because they didn't do it. It's just you need to recognize what that situation is now and do everything that you can to either grasp the opportunity that were given to you by no deservedness on your part at all or the struggle that is in front of you and try to grasp that discipline and that accountability and that focus as soon as possible. But this divisiveness, man, on fucking skin color is just getting old. It's getting old. It's such a weak argument that has no basis of anything that we need to be focusing our attention on. None. What we need to be focusing our attention on is the fact that people in Gaza are being treated like fucking slaves. There's a reason they call it the largest open-air prison in the world because 1.8 million people are slapped into a fucking three-lane highway type of space. 
We need to be talking about that. We need to be talking about the fact that Grenfell now is a is just opened an inquiry where the families are making statements and they need to inquire as to whether or not they should ban the cladding that set that thing up like a tinderbox in a matter of an hour and a half. What's the fucking debate about, guys? Get rid of it. Ban it. We don't need to be thinking about you're this way because you're white and I'm this way because I'm black. What are we doing with that? What is that going to get us? It gets us nowhere. We need to be focused on the fact that 10 more kids are dead now because America can't get its shit together and stand up to the NRA and put some actual fucking gun laws in place. You guys are running out of excuses. There's nothing left to say about this. And the only way that you're going to resolve this is by clamping down on your motherfucking gun laws. This is it. This is it. The story is over. Because this school in Texas, this school in Texas had arms uh, faculty. It had uh, security. And it was already on notice because this is a 22nd high school, uh, 22nd school mass shooting in a school this year in America. And it's only May. Like one of the girls, 17-year-old girl on the news said, she said, when asked if this was a surprise, she said, no, this happens everywhere. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when this was going to happen to us. And a disgruntled student walked in with a fucking handgun and a shotgun and killed 10 people. And what does Donald Trump do? Donald Trump comes out, gives it lip service to say, this should never happen and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that weapons are not in the hands of crazy people. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because until I hear some politician of any significance stand up and say, the NRA will not proceed as they have done and I will make it the rest of my terms job and number one priority to make sure that when I leave office, we no longer have a gun problem. So everybody at the NRA, be on notice. I'm putting you on notice now that none of your money will be coming into my finance or into my campaign or into my administration. You will no longer be allowed to contribute to anything that I do politically. So good luck. You are now on notice. Your propaganda will not no longer go unchallenged. We are losing kids by the week because of something that could be prevented if we just Tell you guys to fuck off. Enough is enough. Enough has been enough. But somebody needs to stand up to these guys. And from all, from all accounts, nobody's willing to do that. And I'm just saying, guys, in America, you need to start putting your votes where people are going to stand up and vehemently oppose anything that lends a threat to your children. And right now, just to put it in perspective, more children have died in school by firearms than military personnel in war zones have this year. I'm going to say that again, just so it rings true and rings very, very clearly to you. More children have died by firearms 
whilst attending school than military personnel have been killed overseas this year. So if you take those stats, just those stats, not compounding all of the other school shootings and massacred numbers, just take those numbers, that more kids have died in high school and elementary school than servicemen have in war, where we are currently positioned in war. More kids have died in school at the hands of firearms. If you can hear that stat and you live in America and you're not willing to go to your congressman, state representative, or whoever the fuck else it is that can hopefully try to action some change and don't give them an absolute ultimatum about how you're willing to vote if they don't stand up for this sort of prohibition on lethal firearms. And I mean, at this point in time, it's going to take something pretty significant, but I personally call for a ban on them with special licenses for hunters and things like that. You got to get rid of them, America. You got to get rid of them. And if Trump is not, with all his bullying tactics and all his shit talking and all his running at the mouth about everything that doesn't fucking matter, if he can't stand up and say something significant towards boycotting or removing funding or support from the NRA, he's a pussy like I always thought he was and he's not the fucking strongman he pretends to be. Because the problem here is with all these other strongman tactics that he uses with people abroad, he can use sanctions and he can use uh, the threat of war and punishment and you know destruction and devastation. He can use all that. He can't do that with the NRA because they live where he fucking lives. This is only a money thing. And the only thing that Trump cares about more than himself is his bank account. And they kind of go hand in hand. So the chances of him turning around to the NRA and saying, keep your fucking money, are, is slim to none. Let's get that straight right now. Slim to none. So who are you going to replace him with that cares more about the future of the children in America than the gun laws in America? Because... What the fuck are we talking about here? You care about owning an AR-15 more than seeing kids gunned down in school weekly. If you say yes to that, you're a piece of shit, you deserve to fucking die, and you shouldn't have a say in how, the, how, how anything happens in America. Or anywhere else for that matter. If you think that guns are more important than kids' lives... And you're not willing to make a change to support the latter. You're a piece of shit. You don't deserve to be around. And I don't think you should have any part in the um, election process or anything to do with how America chooses its leaders or anybody in the world for that matter. If that's your opinion, we have to care more about the citizens and more about each other than we do about affiliation and money because it's it's tearing things to shreds facebook is a purely profit seeking entity and look at what is going on look at what is going on with facebook 
They are siphoning everything that you say and type and share and manipulate you with it. Completely manipulate you with it. I don't know if I told the story on the last podcast, but I was listening to this other podcast and they were talking about um, something in Sri Lanka. I did talk about this and how it was perpetuated because of a mistranslation. But that video was uploaded to Facebook and shared throughout the region. And then in 100 miles away, that video caused another uprising where more people were killed. This guy got his fucking restaurant burned down, beaten up, wholly displaced, completely in hiding, destitute and broke now because he's a different religion and because some conspiracy theories about fertilization started circulating on Facebook and Facebook runs off of algorithmic technology and has no human moderators to deal with human problems in real time until they are axed out of a territory, which is exactly what happened in Sri Lanka. The government cut them off and all of a sudden, Facebook starts paying attention. But until then, there was nobody in Facebook you could find to talk to. And it's the same, I suffer from this on a much, much lesser degree, almost on a daily basis. And I'll give you a real example, okay? Because it really fucking pisses me off that they're so big and so advanced, but they can't fix the smallest little problem like this, right? So let me, let me, let me lay it out for you. So I have another business on the side of my nine to five and, and outside of doing this podcast. I do personal training. I, um, you know, along with that motivational shit that I was talking earlier, well, I've actually translated my journey into helping other people already. So, you know, taking action with it and um, as a form of osmosis, hopefully putting good vibes and motivation out through action into the community. Anyways, sidetracked. So as a part of that business, promotion is important to keep business coming in, drill up new business, explore, find new business, but also build a brand, build a reputation around that brand, build a personification around that brand. So people understand very clearly when they see your brand that it stands for X, Y, and Z, right? Pardon me. So I have an Instagram account where I film a lot of my workouts, give advice, structure on uh, training protocols, or you know maybe just being a little irreverent, a little lighthearted, a little sarcastic, a little aggressive, you know, whatever. Just putting personality to the videos, right? So I put them through Facebook, or I put them through Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. And unless I mute them. I get pulled up every single time for copyright infringement. Not by Instagram, but because I share them onto my Facebook page, which I have a, um, a Facebook page for this fitness business that I do as well. To stop me from having to post things twice, I've connected my Facebook page to my Instagram account. So Facebook owns Instagram Yet the content that gets flagged on Facebook for copyright infringement doesn't get flagged on Instagram, right? So I'll put the video there and there'll be music from that which is playing in my gym. And it's obviously in the video, but it's clearly not edited onto the video. It's clearly atmospheric. It's clearly coming from the stereo system within the gym. 
Yet that doesn't matter because based on the algorithmic technology that Facebook has, all it does is pick up these Shazam type tags within the uh, music and says, that doesn't belong to Daryl. That belongs to um, Tupac or that belongs to whoever I'm listening to, Wu-Tang or whatever. You must remove this. And if you don't remove it, they've changed it now. So what you can do is you can, on Facebook, you can actually post the video, but it's muted, right? It's like, what the fuck is the point of that? But if you say you've got the right to post it because it's atmospheric, there's no nuance. You can't explain yourself. It's just a yes or a no, right? There's nobody to moderate this. There's nobody to talk to to moderate this or explain yourself. Yet, if you go to a celebrity's page, like, for instance, Kevin Hart, he can play whatever he wants and nobody says anything. Or, how many times have you seen people at a concert? Well, those algorithmic uh, technologies, the tag-based things for Shazam, guess what? They don't pick up live music, so it gets a pass. But even so, go to a celebrity fitness page, and they will have all of their videos with music that you know, blatantly. Now, it has to be some really blatant shit for Instagram to pull it off <clears throat> for copyright infringement, but the same thing applies. Do you think that they're going to pull a rock video down if The Rock is sitting there listening to, like, I don't know, fucking Black Sabbath or something? No, of course they're not. But little independent uh, fitness instructor over here tries to do it and not a fucking chance. So if you don't pull it and you don't mute it on Facebook, they will suspend you from posting anything for a week and then two weeks, then a month and then whatever. Instagram seems to be a little less sophisticated with their algorithmic technology. Um, but they still will pull it occasionally for copyright infringement. And I'm just like, how smart and how relied upon should these pieces of technology be if they're so rudimentary they can't tell the difference between an edited video that has music clearly overlaid and atmospheric music in a gym? They just care about the ones that make them the most money. That's it. That's it. So, I don't know where I came on to this. I don't know how I transitioned from this because it was a few minutes ago. Um, but this is, it's, it's a profit entity. That's it. They don't care about their users unless their users leave in mass droves or unless an entire territory gets shut down. But these echo chambers that we find ourselves in are just are just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I went on a bit of a fucking tangent there, um, and I don't I don't know where I was with it. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, we'll get back on track. I don't think today's going to be a very long one. I mean, I say that, but we're all almost at an hour already. But um, the thing that really, the thing that really made me want to press play today or press record today, and sorry if all the fucking chairs and all the things in my room are making noise here. Um, 
The reason that I wanted to press play, uh, press record today, um, was in regards to some news around a subject that we've covered before. So I think it was episode like 12 or something like that. I did a I did an episode called Legalize It. And it was an episode in which I kind of broke down the proposition of legalizing marijuana and legalizing cannabis um, for recreational and medical reasons uh, in the UK. And a big part of that was, you know, it kind of started from uh, Alfie Dingley, who was a six-year-old boy, you may remember, uh, in the UK that was suffering from a severely aggressive form of epilepsy that would cause him to have, you know, in the region of 150 seizures a week, um, or sorry, 150 seizures a month, I think it was. You know, they, it's aggressive in terms of once he starts to have seizures, the only thing that can stop it is um, like an injection of steroids. And once he has the steroids, obviously that's doing, you know, damage to his internal organs, the circulatory system, the respiratory system. You know, you can't feed a kid um, steroids on that level that consistently um, because it just ruins them, right? So his parents obviously found... um, medical cannabis and CBD oils and treatments of CBD and and, and THC uh, and ended up going to Amsterdam for it. Well, that ran out and I'm not going to go into all of this again because I've covered it and you can go back and check that episode out if you want to. But um, effectively, the government said, yeah, well, we'll consider it. We just need a doctor to, you know, agree to write the prescription and then we can keep, you know, and then we can make considerations. Well, that was like three months ago. And nothing has been done yet. And this poor little kid is still going through it. Right? And I would... I would encourage people. It's a a tough thing to watch. But you can't understand the plight of this kid's family. And this little boy. Unless you see this stuff actually happening. So I would encourage people to go and, and... And Google. What it looks like to have an epileptic fit. A severe multiple severe epileptic fits. And then you come back and you tell me that we need to be waiting, we should be waiting, or that it is ethical that we're waiting, or making this kid wait for a decision on getting a license to be treated with the thing that definitely helps his symptoms out. Because like I said in the last episode, when he was treated with medical cannabis, He went from having 150 seizures a month to having one seizure every two months. Like a 99% reduction based on this treatment. Yet he can't receive that treatment in the UK because by the home office um, uh, own words, they see no medical justification or benefit by the... uh, in the usage of uh, medical cannabis. They basically say cannabis has zero medical benefits whatsoever, and therefore it can only be used for research purposes and not prescribed by a doctor for uh, patients that may need to use it, right? That's the official position in the UK right now on weed, which is the most archaic, 
view that you could have on this, aside from, you know, some of the countries where they'll kill you still for it. This is the most archaic position that you can have on this subject. But it's also the most Hippocratic, hypocritical, Hippocratic, hypocritical. It's the most hypocritical point of view that you can have it, have on it. And it's the most contradictory point of view that you can have on it. Because like I said in my last episode, the UK is now the leading exporter of medical cannabis globally. So for those that may not have caught that last episode that I talked about this in its entirety and broke down the numbers and the financials and and all of that, the reduction of cost to law enforcement, the reduction of cost on the medical, uh, on the NHS, and then all the positive, negative, or uh, all the plus positives around the commercials of it and the new businesses and the jobs creation and, and so on and so forth. Go back and listen to that if you want to. It's called Legalize It. But the UK surpassed Canada as the leading exporter of medical cannabis in the world. And until she fucking quit because of this Windrush scandal, Amber Rudd was leading the Home Office in this pledge that cannabis has no medical benefits to anybody. While at the same time, and I've mentioned this before, her husband is the MD of a company in charge of distributing cannabis to other countries for medical purposes. So a massive, once again, suck my fucking dick home office and suck my dick Amber Rudd wherever you are. And the new guy whose name I don't know, if you follow the same tone, fuck you too. Because I just watched another mom. Another mom who has, uh, I think she has a six or a seven-year-old son. And I think his name is Billy. Um, And I'm going to do a little bit more digging because if she's still in town, I might try to get her on here for an interview. Um, same Same sort of form of aggressive epilepsy. Yet you can tell that this this uh, little boy is affected by it even more than Alfie seems to be. And they went to America for it. And she's got a month worth of medical cannabis left because there was a doctor here that filled the prescription for her until he was directed by the home office not to fill that prescription anymore. So again, the hypocrisy comes into it, right? Because Theresa May will sit there and have a meeting with Alfie Dingley's family and said, basically, the only thing we're looking for is she'll stand up in front of the um, House of Commons and she'll say, the only thing that we're waiting for is a doctor to be able to prescribe this. But when a doctor is willing to prescribe it, the Home Office turns around and says, nope, that's illegal. So what's our fucking story here? And I need some investigation and I need some answers on this because what we're doing is we're trotting on people's human rights. You have a right to care and the alleviation of pain and suffering. And if the government within your country is not only restricting that access to those solutions and those treatments, at the same time distributing this substance to the rest of the world willy-nilly and reaping the financial benefits from it, that to me is criminal. 
That to me is criminal and people need to be held justly accountable for it. We are way past the point of considering this a dangerous substance. Anybody that thinks cannabis is a dangerous substance shouldn't have a conversation about this subject. It's as simple as that. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And in my last episode, when I covered this, the legalize it episode, I was trying to be very, very level headed in terms of, you know, just reporting the facts and, and getting you guys the information that, um, that could really help, um, maybe put this in a clear light of how absurd it is that not only are we behind a lot of the other parts of the world that have already taken this step to say, we already know. So now we're just going to show the citizens that we're not absolute morons and guess what? Everybody's fine. I mean, we're tracking behind America for Christ's sakes, and they still think you should eat your cereal with a fucking uh, AR-15 or a handgun. You know, use your you, use your um, use your Glock as a spoon and shovel your Cheerios into your mouth. We still got. We're still tracking behind a country that for all intents and purposes, like 55% of the population still think the world is 4,000 years old. And we're tracking behind them. When we've got Portugal on our doorstep, we've got Holland on our doorstep that have said, fuck this, and reap the benefits of it. But I'm not just talking about letting kids smoke it or letting people smoke it when they want to. I mean, I'm for that too. And if I was in charge of this, if I was in charge of this, it would already be legal. And I would follow Clear UK's um, proposal for how to set that in motion because it's brilliant. It needs updating, but it's brilliant. It's fucking, it's exactly what we need to be doing. Okay. But the fact that we're tracking behind the rest of the world on something so obvious is infuriating. And it's not only infuriating because, you know, there's that criminality aspect to it. And you always feel like you're a bit of a fucking loser if you like, if you get high or whatever. I mean, I don't anymore because I've been smoking it for 20 fucking years. But, you know, it's still looked at as taboo when there's no reason to be looking at it as taboo. It's medicine. It's medicine. But guess what? If you're not prescribe the right medicine, it can have an adverse effect. Weed is not for everybody. Cannabis is not for everybody. I would never pretend that it is. But for those that it is right for, it's really right for. And there's no legislation, there's no government MP or any of these fucking people that should be able to tell you, you can't use it. They, can't, they shouldn't be able to tell you that you can't use it recreationally in the privacy of your own home. And they shouldn't be able to tell you that you can't seek it out as a medical treatment when it is absolutely proven to have positive medical benefits on not only the young, but the old and the varying degrees of severity with a varying degree of uh, afflictions. We're talking Parkinson's, we're talking multiple sclerosis, we're talking epilepsy. You know, we're not talking about, oh, just because you got a headache or some back pain, although it works for those things as well. We're talking about serious medical afflictions that this has been proven to help improve the quality of life of the patients that use it. Yet we can't get off of our fucking ass and make a very, very simple amendment to say, guess what, guys, we're stepping into the 21st century 
and here you go. We're not going to make you feel like a criminal for this. We're going to respect your human rights to seek out whatever the cure or the um, alleviation of those symptoms that you may be feeling. We're going to not step in the way because it's none of our fucking business. And don't tell me that you're worried about legalizing it because there isn't enough research into its safety when this is one of the heavily, most heavily, um, one of the heaviest alcohol consumption based societies we have in the world. People consume booze in England at rates that if you don't know and you're not aware of would make your fucking head spin. There's a pub on every corner in this country and it's always got someone in it. And we'll sit around and watch people destroy themselves and give themselves um, cirrhosis of the liver or cancer or whatever, you know, or watch old men fall down, stumbling out of a pub, smash their face, fucking hemorrhage. You know, we'll watch all this. We'll watch the drunk driving casualties stack up. And we've got no problem because it's part of the culture, right? But because we're stuck in this Puritan, archaic way of thinking about this one particular substance that has zero evidence to say it would cause any of these, has a 0% mortality rate, and has only been proven more and more and more that it helps all sorts of terrible afflictions, yet we're not willing to get off our ass and do something about it? Bullshit. The time is up. The time is done for any of this stuff to be refuted now. How long are these studies supposed to be? And who's funding them? And who wants to fund them? You've got little kids that are suffering daily and you're doing nothing about it. That is criminal behavior to me. You are fundamentally treading on these kids' human rights, causing them a worse quality of life than they would have without that treatment and you should be fucking ashamed of yourself so this episode will get the home office Theresa may clear and everybody else tagged in it so that they know there is a there is a wave of momentum behind this cause and the numbers are ever increasing and the attitude is ever growing towards the sentiment of stop telling us what we can and cannot do, especially when it comes to the health of our children. But not only the health of our children, but stop treating us like criminals because you can't do the due diligence in looking into a substance that is clearly not harmful when our shelves in our convenience stores and our liquor stores and everything else are flooded with poison. The time where you can pass off cannabis as just a stoner's drug that doesn't accomplish anything and is good for nobody and anybody that uses it is a waste of space, that time is gone. And at every opportunity, we're going to put the people responsible for these archaic laws staying in place on blast. So let's, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. And let's keep the pressure on these politicians to get their heads out of their asses, 
and take a look at reality and take a look at the at what people are saying the attitudes of their population we're the ones that put them in a job we're the ones that allow them to keep their jobs and they need to be respectful for the tide and the winds of change that are coming <clears throat> across a number of different subjects cannabis is only one of them so if we stick with it it's a positive thing if we keep the momentum up we can make a change and I fully intend to continue doing my part on it. Um, so I think that's it, guys. I think we're going to wrap. Um, by the time you get this, unfortunately, it's going to be Tuesday. So I apologize a bit late in the day. Um, so by the time it's uploaded and, you know, distributed and all that stuff, it'll be Tuesday. So I apologize. I'm working on being tighter with it for you guys so that these episodes are coming out on time when they're meant to and so the subject matter that we discuss is um is accurate and and timely so um i hope despite that you guys enjoyed the show i uh, hope you got something from the earlier part of it if you if you did fantastic if not skip past it uh but if you've gotten to this point and you haven't skipped past it too fucking bad um as always, guys, thanks for listening. We're coming back and we're going to do another show this week. Um, we've got the UFC in Liverpool to cover. I really want to get into uh, Darren Till, the Liverpool um, boy that's making some real waves and is already starting now to become visible on people's radars. But up until, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, he probably wasn't. Um, this, kid's, this kid's something else. And so I want to cover that because that's a hell of a fight against uh, Wonder Boy in Liverpool and the BBC are showing it, which is unprecedented. And it's the first time that it's happened where the BBC are going to broadcast the ultimate fighting championships. So that's great. So I'm going to come back. I'm going to do uh, some on that, uh, maybe cover some other stuff. I don't know if I'll do a dedicated UFC preview for that. Maybe I will. I'll, I'll make the call on that uh, tonight. And, you know, we're coming back for at least one more this week. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate the support. Um, if you're following us on uh, iTunes and listening via iTunes, please rate the show. Please give us some feedback and comment and share uh, because it just helps from a searchability and discoverability point of view. And I've talked to you guys about this before, um, but any engagement is welcomed. Sharing, visiting our Facebook page, signing up there. Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, fantastic. And uh, pretty soon, we're hopefully going to be available on Spotify. That submission is happening this week, and hopefully we'll have another distribution channel where you guys can pick up the show um, just as easy as you can now. But that's a wrap for Monday evening. This is episode 34 of The Quiet Part Loud. My name's Daryl, I'm your host as always, and until next time, guys, all the best. <laughs>